You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 158. On today's bonus episode, I'm talking to Evan Pagan about how to create opportunity. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now with over 1.2 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. Hello, hello, everybody. James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning into this bonus episode. I just got off the call with Mr. Eben Pagan himself. So excited to show you this one. It's a doozy. It's a good one. We were talking all about opportunity. What is opportunity? How to create opportunity? How to recognize it? And much, much more. Now, for those of you guys who don't know, Eben has been an online entrepreneur. He's been doing this for like 17 years now. He's an entrepreneur and an investor who's built over 10 different online brands and businesses to the million dollar level. All of his businesses are 100% virtual with no office. And he does all that while spending more than six months a year traveling, living the virtual lifestyle. We're gonna talk about his brand new book that you can actually get for free today on this episode called Opportunity. In this book, Evan explains how opportunity is changing, that there is an opportunity explosion happening right now and why this is increasing for all of us and how we can find and create more high quality opportunities for ourselves, for our businesses. Opportunities that will align with your strengths and your unique gifts and your values. So fantastic episode, great conversation with, with Evan. He's a wicked smart dude who has been on an entire journey of personal development and human evolution, if you will, during his career. And that really comes out in the conversation we have. And he's also doing a big giveaway for his book right now, Opportunity. And I want to make sure that you guys grab your copy for free. It's free. All you got to do is pay the cost of shipping. We've linked it up in the show notes. It's jameswedmore.com forward slash opportunity. Opportunity again is the name of the book. This is Eben's first book. Really exciting. And I think this is just a fantastic conversation that we get to have about how you can have a much more opportunity-focused mindset in your life and in your business. So without further ado, let's go ahead and play that interview with Evan Pagan. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am here with Evan Pagan. Evan, how you doing? Hey, good. Good to be here. Yeah, I got to say, it, it really is such an honor to have you here to hang out with you for uh, the next hour or so. I mean, man, I've, I've just learned so much from you over the years and you've, you've accomplished so much. So it's really an honor. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. This is exciting news. You are, you've written your, your first like actual printed hold in our hands book. It's called one word opportunity. Yes. Yep. That's it. It's called opportunity. Why the name Opportunity? Why, why Opportunity? What inspired this topic for you? 
Yeah, after a lot of years of studying success and personal development and kind of achievement, and also after getting to know a lot of successful uh, entrepreneurs, investors, you know, myself getting to know, interviewing hundreds of, you know, self-made millionaires and billionaires, you know, some happy, some not, I realized a couple of years ago that there was a pattern that I hadn't quite seen in just this way. And I realized that what these people had in common was that they were just better at finding and creating opportunities. They're better with opportunity and they're better at choosing the best opportunities and making a decision and then placing a bet on the ones that were best for them. And once I saw this, once I just kind of got that, that they were just better at finding and creating opportunities and placing bets, it just changed how I, how I thought about success. And I mean, I'd already been teaching for a long time, but this distinction, you know, it really got me. And so then I started thinking about all the things that I knew about opportunity and about finding and creating opportunity. And I started writing them down. And that led to last year, about a year ago, I taught a course. I did a one day course on opportunity. And then that naturally led to writing the book, you know, so I spent about a, a year now writing this book with all of my favorite ideas and mindsets and mental models and tools for creating and finding and taking advantage of opportunity in your life. I love it. And I recall hearing something from you, maybe it was a podcast of yours or something you said long ago, something to the effect, you know, I'm going to paraphrase it horribly, that most people that aren't entrepreneurs or maybe like, you know, they want to be an entrepreneur, they haven't really made it yet, have this belief that ideas and opportunities are scarce, that they're rare. And successful entrepreneurs know that the opposite is true, that they're everywhere. Do you still agree with that? Is that really the position you're, you're coming from? Yeah, it's even becoming more true now. One of the paradoxes that's happening that I'm watching is there is an explosion of opportunity right now. I mean, I've just never seen anything like this. There's an explosion of options and opportunities for all of us. The entrepreneurs that I know, you know, some of the most successful people, they're saying, gosh, there's just so much opportunity. And yet, you know, as we look around, I think that most people, probably most people would not say that. They wouldn't say that I'm experiencing more opportunity in life. They would say, I'm feeling like there's less opportunity. And when something like that's going on, you know, you know that, well, there's a big opportunity <laughs> right? <laughs> because, right, because there's such a difference there. So in the book, one of the things that I talk about is that there's an opportunity explosion happening, right? There's this acceleration, but that most people, the way they look at opportunity, and maybe we could dive in and maybe define opportunity a little bit, sure. but I think the way that people look at opportunity is that it's something that you know, you luck into when I think of opportunity as a more creative thing, as something that you go and create and that you can learn skills and tools to create a lot more high quality opportunity for yourself, not only in business, but also in all the other key areas of your life. Yeah. So can we go a little bit deeper with that? So our listeners really know what you mean when you talk about opportunity. Yeah. So the dictionary defines opportunity as a favorable juncture of circumstances. Right? It's when circumstances come together and they make it possible to do something. If you look at uh, Wall Street, right, they've got this word arbitrage. It's another 
way of looking at defining opportunity. Arbitrage is when you find, let's say, a stock that's selling on two different stock exchanges for different prices, and you can buy it on one exchange and sell it on the other instantly at the same time and make risk-free profit, right? That's, I don't know, it's an idealized form of opportunity. You know, a lot of people think of opportunity as, you know, again, a favorable juncture of circumstances. You're walking down the street and you see a $100 bill on the ground, and so you kind of pick it up. In Latin, there's a word opportunus, and this is where opportunity came from. And the word originally meant moving toward a port. So if you're on a ship and you're sailing and you've got the wind in your sails and you sail into the harbor where you're going and then you can see the port that you're sailing to, you're in that state of opportunus. And so opportunity, it's a beautiful, you know, beautiful history of the word. Opportunity is about being able to see where you're going and only when you have that as a reference point, do you know when something's really an opportunity for you? And then another piece of opportunity I think is important here that goes to this point is I think that most people think that opportunity is basically luck, that you go through, mm. you know, the world, you know, they, the, the old saying opportunity knocks but once, that opportunity is going to come and knock on your door. And sure, that happens sometimes, but a lot of these definitions, they put opportunity out there, right? It's a favorable juncture of circumstances. It's not a favorable junction of ideas in your head, right? But I think that opportunity is more creative. It's something that you go and you create. You connect things that haven't been connected before. You connect knowledge. You connect people. You connect actions. You connect circumstances. And then when you connect them, then you've creatively made that opportunity. Now, in the book, I also talk I spend some time talking about how we live in a reality that seems friendly to creativity. The word creativity, the root is to create, right? So creativity isn't just about imagining a bunch of ideas. It's about going and creating them and doing things in the real world, manifesting your vision. And, you know, goal setting, for example, goal setting, which we've probably all studied a lot of and maybe even we've all taught a lot of this kind of thing. Goal setting actually turns out to be a very weird thing when you think about it. It's very weird that we can imagine a reality that we want to create or an outcome that we want to create. And then we can come back out here into the world and we can do things and then we can reach that goal or make that thing happen, right? This is manifestation or this is having a vision and then realizing it. And that's pretty weird that we humans can do that. That's as woo-woo as, I mean, it's as woo-woo as any spiritual thing I've ever heard that mm -hmm. you can imagine and then you can come out here and you can create it. So goal setting, it points to kind of as an indicator that we live in a reality that's friendly to creativity, that's friendly to imagining a vision or thinking of the way that you want to have things be and then coming back out here into reality and making them so. Well, this creativity and the ability to create, this is accelerating dramatically. We are now able to imagine what we want to create and then come back out and create it faster and more efficiently than we've ever been able to do it. I really follow Ray Kurzweil. I think he's a genius. And, you know, he's this futurist who tracked the price performance increase of technology over time and even of evolution in general. And he points out to, you know, the doubling of price performance every couple of years with computers. Well, it's just getting to the point now. I mean, I call this the great acceleration where everything is accelerating and we're just getting to the point now. So, you know, when you go buy a new cell phone, you notice that 
now it's faster. You can see that it's faster. It works faster. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point, all of a sudden, it started understanding the words we were saying. And I could say words, and it could write them down. And then now, all of a sudden, it knows what I'm saying. It understands what I'm trying to communicate, and it can do certain actions and things. Well, this is happening across all domains of life. When I started my first business online, I wrote a book of dating advice, and it took me months to you know, figure out how to write the book and then get it up online and make a website and get web hosting. And I mean, it took weeks just to get the website, <laughs> you know, online and working. Now, I just had a good friend of mine come over who he showed me a website that he made with some of his photography on it. He went to one of these website builders and for free and in a few hours, he made this beautiful website. You know, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Like that used to take months, you know, and now you can sit down and you can do it for, you know, and not only months, but months and a lot of money and time and all this stuff and energy. And now, you know, you can basically do this for free and you can do it in a few hours. We're moving toward a time, if you follow Ray Kurzweil, where, you know, now that we have 3D printing, that that's going to accelerate, where in the future we'll be able to imagine things and then essentially 3D print them and have it happen almost at the speed of thought. And that's a pretty trippy idea that we're moving toward a time where we can just imagine the thing and then we'll be able to create it that fast. But everything is pointing to that. And I think that we get to practice in slow motion right now and that we all need to practice creativity. And particularly, we need to practice creativity around opportunity. I love this. I'm just curious. Do you see like a downfall to this? Not to play the negative side. But just like, do you find yourself getting overwhelmed? Do you find yourself like spreading yourself too thin or almost like stuck in indecision because there are so many opportunities that you end up not knowing what direction to go in or anything like that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I call it opportunity shock. There's just so many options and opportunities that our system, you know, goes on tilt or it overloads and it just shuts down and we go, you know, read the news or eat some junk food or (laughs) you know, or whatever, play a video game because it's just too much to deal with. Right. So if you only have one choice, that's not really a choice, <laughs> you know, but if you only have one choice, that doesn't necessarily feel that good. You know, if you only have one choice of, let's say the work that you do or one choice for a romantic partner, uh, you know, we'd rather have more choices. If you have a second choice in those situations or a second choice of something to eat or, you know, where to go that day, that feels a lot better three choices, four or five. Great. You know, feels like we're really going somewhere. But then what happens when it gets to seven choices or 10, you know, or 20 or 50 or a hundred? I mean, just think about how over the last 10 and 20 years, how many more options we have for what to eat or where to eat or where to travel, you know, or who to meet or what to learn or what kind of business to start. There's an exponential increase in the options that we have and therefore the opportunities and yeah, this can be very overwhelming and it can really shut us down, you know, and, and I think that if we don't understand the nature of opportunity and have mindsets to correct for our own psychology and cognitive biases around these things that we can get totally shut down. And if we don't have mental models to use to appraise opportunities and to choose the best ones for us, that we also can waste a lot of energy on things that weren't that great of an opportunity. Yeah. And I definitely want to get into those because I I feel like, and I've definitely been here myself, that we get into this, you know, that paralysis by analysis, that that indecision, because we become afraid that we're going to make the wrong decision, right? Like it's going to take us down this wrong path and then we're going to waste months of our life and then realize, ugh, I should have gone this other way. And so I definitely want to get into that and see 
you know, what strategies you used to empower people to select the right opportunities. But I want to go back for a second because I think what I'm hearing and what you're saying, which, which if it is, I absolutely love it, is that, you know, opportunity is something that we create, that we have like a say in it versus looking at the definition, which is simply based off of circumstances. And it sounds like it's much more of a creative role that you have with circumstances. I, I mean, that's a fair assessment, I guess. Yeah. If you want more great opportunities, you have to go and create them. You have to be proactive about it. You have to understand how opportunity works. And then you have to go into the world to create more great opportunities. And so would you just say then that the people that you described that just like don't see that opportunity, that is more of just their perspective. It's, it's a mind shift for them. They may not have experienced this in their world. And so therefore, you know, if you haven't experienced the thing, it, you know, might seem like magic or, you know, might seem very strange. I mean, if you take your mobile phone or your computer to a, you know, an uncontacted native tribe in the Amazon jungle, and you try to explain to them what this thing is, it's going to be a little bit challenging because they've never seen one of these things before, you know, they haven't had that experience. And so maybe for someone who hasn't had the experience of having a lot of opportunity or going and creating a lot of opportunity, it might just seem, you know, like an unknown thing, but I mean, I can assure you that this is real, that I'm not making this up. This is really happening. And I mean, if you just look, just look again, you know, I said, look at how many options that you have for what to eat or where to eat or where to travel or who to meet or what to learn online. If you just get into learning, just the opportunity to learn, right? We live in now what Peter Drucker called a knowledge economy, where most of us in the first world were paid primarily for what we do in our heads, not what we do with our hands. It's knowledge work. And so being able to learn and then process things inside of your brain better, being able to analyze and make decisions and be more creative and explain things, these are very important skills. Well, there are so many courses now. There are so many places online that you can go and learn. You can learn how to learn. You can learn how to teach. You can learn how to do marketing. You can learn how to create online courses, how to do coaching. We teach a lot of these things. But just think about how in the last 10 or 20 years, how that has changed and how many more options there are there and how if you go and learn some of these skills that I was just talking about, they open up doorways to opportunities that just weren't available before. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like learning how to use the internet. You know, only something like half of the people on the planet right now are connected up to the internet. If you're one of those people, you now can see, oh, there's all kinds of things that I could do as an online business. I can sell products, I can sell services, I can, you know, do design, I could do I can be a programmer, I can offer consulting, I can be a coach, I can teach. But if you don't know the internet and you don't like know basic online marketing, None of that is available and you're stuck offline having to, you know, do things like whatever, grow food and then go to the market and try to sell it. And, you know, competitively, you're not in a very strong position there. Yeah. And what was it about like 15 years ago when you wrote Double Your Dating? Yeah, it was in 2001. So if you can take us back all the way, I mean, that's crazy. So more than 15 and you say, you really say that we have much more of an explosion of opportunity today. What, what was it like then in the, you know, even, even just in the entrepreneurial and online business landscape in terms of opportunity? 
Yeah. So in 2001, obviously everyone knew about the internet at that point and people were using the internet. I had just spent, uh, let's see, nine years trying to figure out business. I grew up in Oregon to hippie parents who didn't want me to grow up in New York and the city where they had grown up. So they, you know, moved out, went to Oregon, lived in the backwoods. I grew up there. I was a long haired rock and roll guitar player. I dropped out of high school and then out of college to a little community college to go on tour with a band. I had a manual labor job working in a metal shop. I had no reference points for success or wealth or entrepreneurship, really. I just didn't understand that that was a whole thing. So in my early 20s, I got a real estate license and I just I reasoned that people who had money had either made the money in real estate or were investing in real estate. It just seemed like where the money was. So mm. I went and got a real estate license. I wasn't passionate about it. I wasn't really interested in the topic so much. And I didn't do very well in it actually as kind of as a consequence. But I, in the process, I learned about sales and marketing. Then in my later 20s, I couldn't get a date and I was just very self-conscious about that. It was very socially awkward and, and shy. And so I uh, I started reading books and going to seminars and I just said, I've got to figure this out because it's so frustrating. I had, by that point, I had gotten a pretty good job and I had a nice car and, you know, an apartment and, you know, still no girls would talk to me. And I said, OK, you know, there's got to be something that I can do here. So I, I went and studied dating and really got into that for a couple of few years, made friends with a diverse group of different guys who were all really good at getting dates. And then once I figured that out and I learned how that worked, I had this amazing girlfriend and I could see that. What I had learned about dating was a was really a big opportunity that a lot of guys were in a place where they would want to learn this. Now, at this point, I had never built a website. I hadn't never written a book. I hadn't done, you know, online marketing, pay-per-click marketing that, that I used. I hadn't done any of this stuff. A friend of mine was selling ebooks online. And I was working in the real estate industry still doing marketing and working with real estate and mortgage companies, doing consulting kind of part-time, just trying to figure out what I was going to do. And uh, it all came together in this idea of take what I'd learned about dating, write a, an ebook, which I just locked myself in my bedroom and it was, I took three weeks to write it. And it was about 90 pages, maybe 90 and a couple pages. I just went back and looked at it the hmm. other day, which I haven't looked at it in a while. And then I went online and I put the PDF online and I just taught myself how to make a website and kind of do these different things. I did not perceive at that point that there were lots and lots of different opportunities for me. I was looking at a couple of things that I could potentially do. And now, I mean, now the way things have matured here, there's just so many, there's so many opportunities. And what's interesting is there are so many opportunities to do things where you don't only succeed or where you could make money, but there are also things that could be very well suited for your personality and for who you are and for kind of your unique gifts or like your genius that also will grow you and develop you as a person and help you be more equipped and have more esteem and confidence in the future that's coming. Right. And that mm -hmm. also can make you successful. So, yeah. Well, I, you know, something I found, I found really fascinating in what you've shared is yes, you saw opportunity and that like, you could create a book and you could create a website, but even just going back to when you're like, wow, I'm, socially awkward around the ladies, which, you know, been there, know what that's like, is that you then from your own volition were like, okay, so I'm going to go and figure this out. I'm going to go and learn this and master it and then apply it to get new results. And, you know, it really sounds to me that this is kind of where this, this seeking out of opportunity begins. 
and it seems like it was something that you just have naturally. Is this something that other people can learn and, and, and adopt? Do you see that this could be what's, what's lacking, why most people can't see the opportunity? You know, you know what I'm getting at here? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting question. You know, for a lot of my life when I've learned things, because what I like to do is I like to learn something Mm -hmm. and then now I create courses and I teach, I've created dozens of courses over the last, you know, 17 years or whatever it is. And when I've taught a lot of times I've said, if I can do this, if I can figure out how to do this, anyone can, (laughs) if, if you, you know, if you can come where I've come from where I've come from and, you know, figure this out, then anyone can. I am starting to think though lately that I'm a little better at like figuring out how to do new things that I want to do, or it's not even figuring out how to do them, but I just, I I have this belief that I can go and make it happen. Mm -hmm. I know that this didn't come from, I didn't grow up with this. This is, you know, I trace a lot of it back when I was 18 years old. I mentioned that I dropped out of a little community college. I dropped out of high school when I was a junior and then I went and got a GED and I went back to my community college and I was studying like music and art and whatever. And I got an offer to go on tour with a band. And so I dropped out of school. I went on tour with this band and it was a band that was put together by a group right now. I, we live in Miami and it was a, this group that was over in, um, Tampa, St. Petersburg area. So I went down there, we put this little band together and we would go and play at middle schools and high schools. And we would play like two or three concerts a day. And it was a really interesting experience in my life. And at one point we went out and so, you know, it's like here, it's like five long haired white guys and a black guy who was our singer. And we're like touring around the Midwest and the South and so forth. So we were quite a sight, you know, to, to see. And our model was we would play these concerts or play these little concerts and then we would sell tickets and T-shirts and things. At one point we went and we stayed in a hotel and the hotel was just a horrible little hotel. And the leader of our band, he had somehow figured out to get us this because we didn't have any money. So, you know, we had to stay in like the cheapest places. And I went into my room and I opened up the drawers in the, like the cabinet there, the dresser. And there was like old food in there. And like, there was actually dirt, like clods, like dirt that you'd find Uh outside. And it was so horrible that I just said, guys, we've got to be able to do better than this. We have to stay in a place that doesn't have dirt in the drawers. And so I um, I picked up the phone and I started calling around locally and I would just call up the hotels and I said, hey, look, you know, hey, we're this band. We're playing at schools. We were a Christian band and we were kind of, you know, spreading the message. And I said, like, you know, would is somebody give us a good deal on a hotel? And I found a hotel chain that gave us a good deal, you know, whatever we could afford back then. And we went and we stayed in a nicer, a little bit nicer hotel. I mean, nothing fancy, but, you know, no dirt and old food in the drawers. Mm -hmm. And that experience, that taught me that if things get bad enough and I just, I have to do something about it, that I can go and do something about it. And in our band, I became the guy that would find out, you know, figure out our next hotel. And so we'd figure out the next city we were going to, and I'd get on the phone and I'd call up and talk them into giving us a good deal. I don't know. That was a real formative experience for me in this whole process and being on tour with this band and having things go wrong and having to, you know, fix a broken down truck in the middle of the snow in Michigan, or there were situations that I was put in where I just had to cope. And from that, I kind of got this, this, this realization that you can just figure out how to do anything if you need to. Right. And I guess I've brought that with me in my life. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And I, I got to assume that that 
plays into, you know, opportunity. Cause I, I feel like not everybody does that. I think a lot of people just say, well, this is just the way it is, or this is the way I am. And they're kind of just resigned to repeat their circumstances. So yeah, I just, I love that. Uh, one other thing I wanted to pull out really quickly too, is that you, you said back then in the band that you didn't really have a reference point for success. And I'm just curious, do you have reference points for success for you today? Yeah. I mean, today I have a lot of reference points for success. And I also realize the importance of those reference points and those role models, whether that be someone you know or someone you watch on a video or learn from a course or, you know, someone you read about a book that they wrote 2000 years ago. Yeah, it's so important to have those reference points and those role models. I have lots of them. Are most of them financially based? Are they time based? How do you really define today what or look at or measure, I guess, what, what you define as success? Well, when I was younger, success, I mean, it's really changed the sure. definition. I mean, when I was younger and I was trying to make it in a band, you know, success was getting people to come to your show because when I look back on it, it's because I've always been socially awkward and I, I never had a girlfriend in, you know, in school or any of that kind of thing. And I think that playing in the band, while I enjoyed playing music, was actually secretly to try to get a girlfriend. And in fact, playing in that band, I did get a girlfriend that lasted for a long time. But I mean, if you can imagine, you know, I'm a rock and roll guitar player that can't find a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was a pretty extreme situation there. But then once, you know, I got into my early 20s and I said, OK, I want to go figure out the money thing. You know, I got a real estate license. And I mean, you know, you imagine me, I've got my ponytail and my two-door Camaro, and I was trying to sell real estate in that. Yes. Because, you know, again, that's how little I really got the success thing. My role models for success back then were just anybody that made money because that's what I was, you know, trying to do. Mm -hmm. And that led me down, I think, a lot of wrong paths. I mean, it took me, basically it took me 10 years to really figure out success and figure out how to be doing something that was fun and enjoyable and challenging where I could help other people and also be really financially successful. Once that happened, once I kind of achieved financial success and I, you know, the first thing I did is I like paid off my debt and this was kind of at the very beginning before things had really not even worked out that well yet, but paid off my debt, got out of credit card debt and then started creating a, a life that I enjoyed. And, you know, I got a nice little apartment and just kind of, you know, nice car and, and that whole thing. And then I started noticing that people that had a lot of money as I was meeting more of them and you know, getting invited to do cool things, I started noticing that a lot of them were unfulfilled and not happy. And, you know, they'd become a millionaire, but then it was like, now I'm gonna become a billionaire. And, right. and that is consuming their life. And I don't know, it, it just, it became really clear to me that a lot of entrepreneurs are, they're not entrepreneurs and investors and people that are interested in financial success. They're not doing it because it's, what's going to help them create the lifestyle that they want. They're doing it to like be the richest person in the world or to, you know, be super competitive or to show off to everybody. And, you know, somehow a lot of these people haven't figured out that nobody really cares that much <laughs> if you, <laughs> I mean, in fact, you know, if you go from being a millionaire to being a billionaire, like all the friends that you had before, I mean, first of all, it was going to cost you another 10 or 20 years of your life and probably, mm. you know, a lot of who you were. But it's not like all those people that you love and all your friends are going to be like, 
dude, you finally did it. You're a billionaire. I like, I love you so much more now, (laughs) (laughs) you know, or like our relationship is so much better that you've, you know, weren't satisfied with just being a millionaire and becoming a billionaire. And a lot of these people have sacrificed their families and their, you know, uh, and really everything. And so, yeah. So my reference point now for success is much different. And I keep an eye out. I look for people that are more integrated, people that have a lifestyle that they really enjoy, businesses where they're doing something that that's more about their passion or their gift or what they were put here to do. People that have evolutionary lives where they're learning and they're growing. Yeah. Different, different reference points. I I love that. And knowing all that now and really having those clear distinctions, how can that help somebody that is looking to recognize opportunity, you know, so that they're not just going just for the thing that's going to, you know, kind of like you said, like might make them a lot of money, but it's going to sacrifice their relationships, their health, 20 years of their life. How can they uh, recognize the right opportunities that align with, with their values and with their lifestyle? So I'd like to, something's coming up for me. I'd like mm-hmm. to give a couple of patterns that I've noticed about opportunity and then answer that question. Sure. I think it'll set a little bit of context. If I forget or I, I go off track after I give you the patterns, please remember the question and bring me back to it. Um, yeah. cause I, I have a, I have a good answer or I think a good answer for it. So in the book, one of the things that I talk about is what I call the nature of opportunity. And you know, almost no one has studied opportunity as a thing and like said, okay, what is opportunity and how does it work and how do I find it and how do I choose it? And how do I make decisions on it? And so in the nature of opportunity, I talk about these, this series of patterns and I'll tell you a few of them here. First of all, the first thing to know about opportunity is that in the future, opportunity increases exponentially, meaning that whatever level of opportunity that you have right now and options, it's going to increase exponentially, especially if you're proactive and you use the tools that I'm talking about here and the ones that you would learn in the mental models that I've put in this book. So just remember that like next year, it's going to be double and the year after that it's four X and then eight and 16 X. So it's going to increase exponentially. Mm Mm-hmm. The next thing to understand about opportunity is that because it's expanding and it's it's increasing exponentially and because it's accelerating and it's going faster, windows of opportunity in your life are going to open faster. They're going to stay open for a shorter amount of time and then they're going to close faster. So the windows of opportunity, they're opening, they're staying open shorter and then they're closing faster. And there are lots of dynamics for that. But just for now, just remember that pattern. And then the third thing that I'll, I'll share is that as opportunity explodes and kind of goes exponential and that the acceleration is happening, that this leads to more small opportunities and fewer big blockbuster opportunities. So just because there's more opportunity doesn't necessarily mean that that's better because a larger percentage of them are going to be small opportunities, things that you're probably not going to want to get distracted by. And fewer of them are going to be bigger, which means that we have to be better at finding and creating the bigger opportunities, but we also have to be better at recognizing them and making the decision when we recognize them to place a big bet on them, to go with the big ones. Because if we don't, right, the window is going to close faster and then we're going to miss it. And then we're not going to have those big opportunities. Okay. So there are a few patterns to set up what happens as opportunity changes into the future. And then to answer your question, how do we 
Was it basically, how do you recognize, uh, ask the question again? Yeah, yeah. Basically, how do you recognize opportunity? But I, you know, I also wanted to throw in there just because I really think that is relevant that choosing an opportunity that really aligns with your values and doesn't, you know, like go down that path of it's never enough and now I got to make a billion and who cares about my life and all that stuff. How do you start to recognize these opportunities, especially these bigger ones? Yeah. And in my book here, I go through a whole section on the ethics of opportunity and the emotional game of opportunity. And we have to run opportunities through ethical filters to make sure that we're not just doing something that will only benefit us, but, you know, harm other people or the planet has to line up with a few different things. But back to the question here, part of the challenge is not just like recognizing an opportunity and choosing it. But part of it is that the opportunities that are starting to occur in our lives particularly as the whole species gets better educated and there's more knowledge available and there's more knowledge about how to do things like increase your health and have better relationships and there's more connections to other people. We can meet more people. There's more ability to you know, build our businesses. We have to basically compare these different domains of opportunity. So for example, just kind of a, you know, an example I think everyone could probably relate to in some way. Well, actually, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to go back one here for a sec. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I've got a little baby or not a little baby. She's just turned five, but I've got a little girl Mm. uh, running around my house these days. And, you know, a while back I sat down on my computer and I was writing and I was getting some big downloads about, you know, the nature of reality or whatever, like just getting some really important ideas that were coming down. I'm writing down these ideas. And then I hear this pitter patter of little feet behind me and it's my little daughter. And she's like grabbing my hand and she's like, you know, you know, Hey dad, come play. Mm. And these are two very different opportunities. You know, these are two places where value can be created or gained. And, you know, one of them is taking these ideas I'm getting, but another one is spending time with my daughter, you know, and it's like, it's challenging to go then, you know, sit down and play dollies with my daughter when I've got this important thing and I don't want to, you know, forget it. You know, the really hard one is if she's like, you know, dad, I'm hungry, Mm. (laughs) you know, then, (laughs) then it's really challenging to keep writing, you know? So, you know, we have physical opportunities, we have emotional opportunities, social opportunities, we have business, money, financial opportunities. So let's say that one day, you know, some of your friends call you up and say, hey, you know, come, let's go out and play sports, right? So this is an opportunity to go do some physical activity, to have some bonding time with your friends. And then let's say on that same day, you get an opportunity, let's say that you're single and you get an opportunity to go on a date with someone who's a really attractive person who, you know, maybe you're feeling kind of lonely, And maybe this is a a person that you have the intuition that this could really become something. And then also, let's say that in your business, it's a a time when you could be releasing a new product or doing some new marketing and growing your company. So let's say all three of those opportunities exist that day. What do you do with that time? Right. How do you compare the value of playing sports with your friends to going on a date with someone to, you know, going and launching a new product? Those are the ones where I think we have the potential to get shut down a lot because it's very hard to compare value across those domains. So the solution that I have is I think we need to create what I'm calling like an internal currency that we use to compare the value of things. So, you know, let's say that you're looking at two different cars that you're thinking of buying. When you ask the price and you can understand how much money it would cost to buy each of these cars, that really helps make a decision. Right? If you don't have some kind of currency to compare opportunities to each other, then it's really hard to make a decision between them. 
And so the internal currency that I'm going to suggest here is something that I call HAPS, H-A-P-S, HAPS. And it stands for Holistic Actualization Points. And I know that these words are big and kind of weird, but Mm -hmm. let me explain what it is. So, you know, you said that your opportunities have to align with your values, right? This is true. I think that we all need to really get in touch regularly with what our potential is, with what our lives look like when they're like fully actualized. Mm. An acorn and an oak are two versions of the same thing. You know, an oak tree is an acorn that has been completely self-actualized. Well, most of us are somewhere between acorn and oak status in our life. You know, I think we all sense that we're all little seedlings of trees and that we have the potential to grow up into something much, much greater, you know, much further than we are. And we have that potential in our health and in our bodies and our physical fitness. We have that potential in our feelings and our emotions, our relationships. We have that potential in our success. We have that potential in our own learning and our psychological development, our maturation. We have that in our ability to be on purpose or to like fulfill our purpose. We have potential in the contribution that we can make in the world. We have these different domains where we have potential self-actualization, where we know that that's possible for us. We know that we could do it, but we don't really spend enough time, I don't think, imagining, you know, like, where could I really be in 10 or 20 years? You know, what does me fully actualized across all of those dimensions of life, what does that really look like? And to get a clear vision of it. And then, we, of course, we don't spend enough time making ourselves into that success as well. But that's a that's for a different time to talk about that. So I think if we just imagine right now, just imagine what does you fully self-actualized, what does that look like? You know, where will you be? What kind of environment will you be in? You know, what kind of people will you be surrounded with? What kinds of feelings will you be having? What level of financial success will you have? You know, how will you be related to your purpose and your contribution? So just imagine what your potential self-actualized state is. And then come back to now and imagine that you're faced with the choice, right? These three opportunities between going and playing sports with your friends, going on a date or launching your next product. If you assign this holistic actualization points or HAPS, if you just say on a scale of one to 10, how much will this opportunity contribute to me reaching that self-actualized state? And you might look at the going out with the friends and say, okay, go play sports with my friends. You know, that'll be fun. It'll be a fun social activity. You know, it'll give me some energy. You know, I go play sports with them pretty regularly and You know, as far as self-actualization goes, it's probably like a two. Going on a date, maybe again, maybe you're feeling kind of lonely and maybe you're single and you've met someone that this could be a serious potential partner. Maybe you could start a family and you look at self-actualization, like what your potential is. And you say, you know, this one's hives. Maybe there's an eight or a nine of haps, like on a scale of 10. And then you look at your business and you say, yeah, you know, my, I could go launch a new product, but my business is doing okay. You know, maybe that's like a three or four out of 10. All of a sudden now, because you've used a unifying currency, something that is more intuitive, now you can see these different opportunities in relationship to each other. You can see that clearly it's a much bigger opportunity to go on that date and potentially find a life partner and that that's what's going to help you reach your potential much faster, much better than these other things. So that's what I think we need to do. We need to assign a a scale of one to 10. How much will this opportunity contribute to my self-actualization? And then from there, 
uh, everything starts making more sense. I love this. And it's so simple. Yet, yet at the same time, we're still limited in a way to what we say is what self-actualized really looks like for us. Like someone, there's a big difference between, you know, someone like you who, you know, maybe your next vision of what's possible and your potential in the next 10 years could be so much bigger than somebody else. Do you have any thoughts or ideas for the person that, you know, almost just talks them out of that full potential? Yeah. Well, I think, again, I think that we all, we all have a sense of what's possible if we just become the greatest version of ourselves. Mm -hmm. In my own life, getting married, you know, meeting my wife, this is coming up on our ninth year here this year, we're, we're together. These, these were opportunities I, that were not on my horizon. I mean, I figured out the dating thing, but I was still so emotionally immature this is in my 30s, my late 30s, that I didn't think that relationship was going to work for me. I didn't think that I was going to find someone to, you know, actually start a family and have something more significant. And I was at a point of accepting that in my life. And I was having business and financial success at that point. But now that I have um, my wife and I have my daughter, and you said to me, okay, so you have to pick one, you know, which one? Is it mm -hmm. going to be financial success or wife and daughter? You know, there's not even a question. I'd rather live in a box and, <laughs> you know, and have the relationship that I do with my wife and daughter. And we would have a fun time living in a box. We would, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It would be, it would be a cool adventure. My wife and I talk about this, sometimes, you know, sometimes like if something ever happened, it would be an interest, you know, it'd be fun to go have that experience in life because I'd be with my wife and I'd be with my daughter and they're, you know, interesting and cool. And so, uh, there's some place where like it matters to you, you know, there's some place in your life where you're really interested in something, whether it's a hobby or whether it's a business thing or whether it's your family where you know that you have so much further to go. There's so much to learn and there's so much more potential to develop. And if you start there and go start working on yourself there, then it can give you access to these other things. Yeah. You know, and I you, mean, my life, my life now with my wife and my daughter is much harder than it was in a lot of ways than when I was single. You know, we travel a lot. The last few years, most of the time has been spent traveling to other cities and other countries. I mean, traveling and also with your family. I mean, this is, this is very challenging stuff. It sounds uh, all fun and romantic, but it's some of the hardest. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is, it's the hardest stuff I've ever done. But it also grows me a lot. Right. And when my wife and I, we have fights and conflicts, we, you know, we come back and then we work through them and I learn a lot about myself and I learn about her and, you know, I learn how to grow up as a person. You know, there's so much opportunity hidden in, in all of these, you know, apparent conflicts or setbacks or problems. Um, you just have to look at it that way and go dig it up and find it. So in context of, of marriage and that, and that shift of like, you know, you just originally coming from a place of like, oh, I'm probably just going to be the single guy. What came first? Was it a choice or a new decision of like, maybe I would like to get married or did you meet your wife first? And then like that caused the change for you. Like how did that transition take place for you? 
<laughs> what came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> I think, huh? It was definitely the egg for sure that came first. It's not not obvious to everyone. You know what? Will you will you say the question again just so I can really get clear? Yeah, yeah. So there was there was like pre marriage Eben who was like, you know what? Like maybe marriage, uh, you know, is is not for me. And then now here you are, and it's you know something you wouldn't live without. I want to take a closer look into how that change came about. Was it in meeting your wife that inspired that change? Or, yes. Okay. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, meeting meet my wife. The realization that, I mean, it's it's a few different things. You know, I had pretty low self-esteem in a lot of ways, but, you know, realizing that there was someone that was a good match for me, learning, my wife's a love coach. She's pretty idealistic. She really believes in love and in her love coaching, she's, you know, she basically just says to people like, don't settle, like, mm. you know, just go for true love or, or nothing at all. And so she kind of had enough faith in that, I think for both of us. And then, yeah, you know, then realizing that something happens, you know, people who have children, they understand this, but something happens when you meet the right person that the possibility of having a family opens up. I mean, some people just want to have a family. Some people are just wired that way. I, you know, some of my friends have just said, yep, I'm having kids someday. And, you know, that's the way that it is. But a lot of people aren't, you know, and they are waiting to meet the right partner. And if, or they don't even know that they're waiting to meet the right partner. But if you're in that camp, then you'll see what happens. And it makes it all the more important to really be proactive and to go out in your life and be proactive about finding a partner. That is the big opportunity, I think, in adulthood is to find the right life partner to be with. Yeah, that's that's a that's a deep one. I, I'll stop there. <laughs> no, it's it's great though, because it's just tying it back into talking about looking out forward into this self-actualized, you know, potential that, you know, there was a point in time where you didn't even know that that's what you wanted. And then then it became clear. And so I think for our listeners that like, as you go look out, it's like, what's possible? What What's your full potential look like? We may not even know right now. And those were definitely very similar to me. Those were things that were not, that didn't seem on my horizon. And I don't have kids yet, but uh, being married, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way. Can I make one more comment here? Sure, yeah. You had, you'd uh, asked, part of this conversation about discovering your great opportunities and your potential and like what's possible for you. One of the things that's, that we are realizing right now is that each of us has a unique personality, that each of us sees reality in a way that's different from every other person. And that's because we're born, each of us with unique brain wiring and emotion wiring and so forth. And then we also get a unique experience growing up, a unique experience with family and culture and language and formative experiences and all these things. I've read some interesting research that the different brain centers inside of your brain, there's a lot of variability. So someone could have like, you know, a 25 or 50% bigger visual cortex or bigger language area. And we all have a, a unique combination of these brain centers. And I think that that's what's behind a lot of the differences in personality. And if you just realize you have a unique once for all and never again personality, mm -hmm. you're the only one that's ever going to have it. And you have a unique way of seeing the world. Like you understand something or a group of some things that other people just don't understand. You know, my dad, for example, 
he had essentially no social skills, like he didn't have social skills, but if something was broken, he could figure out how to fix it. He could take apart whatever it was and he could figure out how to fix that thing. You know, my, my mom, you know, she paints, she likes to paint. She can look at something and in her mind, she can, you know, figure out what the colors are and how to draw. I, I don't have that ability. I can't do that visual thing. You know that there's something that people come to you for or that you've figured out how to do and that if you're hanging out with a group of people and the conversation turns to that topic that you understand the topic like natively you just Mm -hmm. you understand and other people don't so we're learning that thing that we each have a unique gift right or we each have a, a unique type of genius that we get and that then the next thing that we're learning is that we can go find other people that have a similar type gift because the internet's here now and we can go find these subcultures and these niche groups where just those type of people hang out. And we can also go meet them. We can go to trade shows or conventions or meetups and we can meet people who have gifts like ours, who have gone and accomplished things, who've gone and made something happen in the world or created success for themselves or for other people or, you know, made a contribution. So we can start getting more of a sense of, Oh, okay. So I'm pretty unique and People that are pretty unique, roughly like me, have created lots of success and that there's a lot of potential here. And when you see that, when you see that combo, when you kind of get, maybe take some personality tests or, you know, do some kind of self-analysis and and so forth, and you start getting a sense of what your gift is, and then you go see people who have something like what you have and they've achieved a lot, it really does something. You know, it's like, you know, Roger Bannister with the four-minute mile, you know, Mm -hmm. and everybody thought it was impossible to run the four minute mile. And then all of a sudden he ran one and then immediately other people started doing it. And then like, I think like three people ran a four minute mile in one race, you know, like shortly after that, when you see it, it makes so many things possible that weren't before. So, you know, learn more about yourself, about your personality, and then go out and find people who are roughly like you and just get a sense of what people like that have gifts like yours can do and then that will really widen you know expand your horizons i love that and because i just feel like so many people are trained the opposite you know like that there's something wrong with me that like why am i not like everybody else and i think especially in you know context of entrepreneurship like we have to be able to recognize our differences as gifts is that that is where the seed of opportunity so i yeah i absolutely love that I mean, and now that I'm a, now that I'm a father, I, you know, I have this little daughter that we're raising, watching other people and their parenting, this is one of the hard things in life now for me is, I mean, I see so many examples of how parents are just doing things that are very counterproductive with their children, tragic things. And I see so few examples of really great parenting kind of out in the wild. And then I think back to my own experience growing up and you know, talking to my friends and kind of culturally the way things have been done. I mean, most of us kind of made it through the dark ages <laughs> in a lot of ways. And in watching parents, you know, with little kids, you know, with a two-year-old or a three-year-old and the child is not doing something the way the parent wants them to, watching the parent not just say, here, let's do this other thing, you know, or here's a, a different way to do that. Or, you know, here, let's you know, let's go do something that's a little bit more productive in some way. But like the, you know, no, like you stop doing that with the shame in their voice and not realizing that what they're communicating to the child isn't just 
not to do that particular thing, which might be the correct thing, you know, in the moment or not, but they're also communicating that the child is like less than and that the child is somehow wrong in a general sense Mm -hmm. and shutting, like not realizing that they're shutting down the initiative and the creativity that, you know, that's natural, that's latent, the spark of curiosity, that they're also shutting that down with the disapproval. This has happened to so many of us, you know, and, and, you know, we have to grow past that. We have to teach ourselves that it's okay to try new things and to experiment and to fail and to have things not work out and to just keep coming and keep experimenting and keep trying. And that it's no big deal, you know, to experiment and try new things. And that when you're an adult and, and you do it, you know, as long as you're within reasonable parameters, you're not going to have these big, scary adults that are showing up and shaming you and, you know, implying <laughs> that you're wrong in a cosmic sense. I feel like some people think that that is the case, that that's what's going to happen. So, yeah, I get it. I get it. I love that. And Evan, I want to be mindful of time. This has been amazing and I could chat for so much longer. So first thing, I, I really uh, want to express my gratitude for you taking the time and just uh, allowing me to explore a ton of different topics from from parenting and marriage to business and opportunity. But I'm excited for your book. Let's talk really quickly about your book. How can we get a copy of it? And uh, what can our listeners expect to get when they start reading it? Sure. Okay. So the book is called Opportunity. And I've invested about a year writing this book. It's got all my favorite and you know best ideas, mindsets, mental models, and so forth for creating more high-quality opportunity and then dealing with the emotions that come up and then making the decision and, and picking our best ones. We start out by just talking about kind of a, a state of the union, like what is going on in the world right now, how I see opportunity changing, the mindsets that you need. Then we go through learning about how to deal with the emotions that come up as, uh, as we're dealing with more and more opportunities. Um, a whole section on emotions and ethics. Then we get into mental models for creating opportunity, for discovering opportunity, for choosing opportunities, for scaling up opportunities, a lot of focus on business and money. We talk in the next section about some of my favorite opportunities in business. And then uh, at the end, I walk you through a process where you go and you discover your own greatest personal opportunity in your life. Because we're launching right now, and this is the first time I've kind of published a a book like this, it's self-published, we're offering to give away copies right now. So you can get a copy for free, and you just pay the shipping and handling, and you just go to freeopportunitybook.com. Awesome. Okay, so you go to freeopportunitybook.com, and tell me your name and information and where to send it. You get a copy sent to you for free. Again, you just pay a small shipping and handling charge. Plus, we're offering a bunch of bonuses that you get on top of the book just for ordering it. So you get $197 worth of bonuses. You get to come to a live class that I'm doing called The Best Opportunities of 2018, where I'm going to talk about what I see as the best opportunities that are happening this year. We're going to talk about industries. We're going to talk about trends, futurism. We'll take some of the ideas in the book further. You get to watch some of my videos. You get bonuses and downloads and exercises. You just get a bunch of really great stuff just for ordering the book because I really want to get the word out about the book. So you can get a copy again for free. Just go to freeopportunitybook.com. Guys, we're going to link that up in the show notes. Evan, how long do they have before this offer goes away? So the offer is just good right now until uh, Thursday the 26th. Okay. 
So okay, that's so not as we're very doing this long. right now, that's uh, that's pretty soon. Yeah, that's that's really soon. So guys, we're going to link that up in the show notes so you can go there, click it and get Evan's brand new book, Opportunity right now. I'm really excited about it. I'm really excited for you, Evan. I'm I'm super stoked for you. So again, thank you so much for for coming on, for for sharing your thoughts. Do you have any final words for our listeners before we wrap it up? Yeah, take opportunity seriously. It's one of those things that's worth studying, worth making a study of if you intend to grow and thrive and be successful in the changing future that's coming. We all have to become opportunity literate, and this is my attempt to help all of us do it. You know, So start here with this book and learn more about opportunities so you can create your best opportunities for yourself and then you know, make a decision and choose them and really develop them into something great. Evan Pagan, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you all on the next episode. Take care. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I wanna show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.